Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome along to episode 90 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast and it is indeed the episode I'm sure many Scottish football fans will be waiting for uh, for a number of reasons, either to laugh at this football team or also to express their anger. So tonight's special episode is going to be the Falkirk Season Review 2020-2021. Now we haven't done uh, one of these for a couple of years. So if we cast our mind back to the last one, uh, we'll find the theme music to that as Oh, I Do Want To Be Beside The Seaside. Um, how little, in fact, has changed um, over those two seasons. So tonight, we are going to be discussing uh, the season that Falkirk Football Club have had in this truncated uh, COVID time. So we'll be discussing the highs and the lows. Um, you can decide which one will be the main uh, points of discussion. But expect some... Uh, rants, some quizzes and maybe a few giggles uh, along the way as well. Uh, a reminder that Sofa Manager, the Scottish Football Podcast, can be found on all good audio podcasting services and if you want to watch us in person, you can do so on YouTube. Uh, this week's Falkirk Season Review is brought to you by sofamanager.co.uk and their in-depth season review written by our very own editor-in-chief, John Brown. So I'll introduce you first, John. Hi, thank you for being with us. Are you looking forward to sharing your views with us this evening? It's time for some catharsis, I think. Yes. Get some stuff off my chest. We look forward to hearing it. John, of course, was the man who called for more emotional investment at uh, the famous Paul Hartley era Q&As. Um, so his voice is obviously very valued in the community. And alongside him, it is Mambo12345. How many can Partick score? It is uh, Brother Andrew. Hello, Brother. Hello. You've uh, been an avid subscriber to a lot of the games uh, in the run, haven't you? You've been a bit of uh, involved in quite a few virtual away days, so to speak. Uh, I'm wasting my money, yeah. I was about to That's ask you the best way to put it. About to ask However, the, the, there was a lot of different, like, especially I think the Peter Head was the worst game because one of the seagulls kept coming in and out of the camera and they thought it was a ball, so it kept falling the seagulls. That was maybe for the best. That was maybe <laughs> Probably. <for the> best. <laughs> Anyway, uh, without further ado, and myself, what was my intro phrase, usually? I had one. I forget. The partisan uh, devil's advocate <laughs> for this evening's affair. Uh, the neutral Aberdeen fan, predominantly, who's watched one and a half Falker games this season, so anything I say you take with a grain of salt. Uh, Paul. So, without further ado, let's get straight into things, shall we? Okay, so the roller coaster ride begins. Let's start with some opening statements. Um, John, sum up in a couple of sentences for me how this season's gone for you. Just a few sentences. Just a few sentences to start us off. <laughs> Where to begin, man? Where to begin? Uh, let's see, terrible management decisions, um, both from Miller McCracken and from Gary Holt coming at the end of the season. Shocking performances, um, you know, huge expectations on these guys, and they came up short, desperately short. Some really kind of anonymous positions in the board. Um, you have a guy who is all singing and all dancing uh, during the summer, and then has disappeared. And now we got a kind of open apology, which is just full of excuses. So it's it's a bit of a disaster. Um, glad to see the back of the season and um, we shall see what happens over the summer I think as to how, um, how I feel about the club I suppose <laughs> we'll, we'll take it from there oh, The season tickets will still uh, wander out the door I'm sure uh, Andrew how would you sum up the season in a few sentences? I'd probably say it started off below average and then we did have a chance to take the league so I'd probably say we started off about there peaked about there and then absolutely plummeted. Can I just say that's a really good uh, visualisation for the audio listeners, Andrew. Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he was raising his hands halfway through there. Um, can I ask you, Andrew, as well, what are those things on your shelf behind you? Uh, something that Falkirk's not had in ah, many years. You saw my joke before it came. You saw my joke before it came. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> uh, well, for the purposes of the audio listeners, um, if you can just imagine Oblivion, uh, the roller coaster, <laughs> that's probably what Andrew was just describing there for you. So that, that, that's as good as you're going to get. There we go. Uh, I think from my sort of partisan view of the season, 
Um, I mean, I, I only sat down and watched one full 90 minutes, and that was against Forfar, which was a draw. And Forfar were by far the first team, the worst team in the league. Um, so that never boded well for their, their one match, their single match performances. But genuinely shocked as to how the season ended. I honestly thought they would have scraped into the playoffs. They would have been punted out in the first round. But when the Airdrie score and things came through, I like my job was I had to phone John immediately because I was like, this has not happened. This has not happened. Of course, I had to wind up Andrew, but that was, you know, the natural uh, way of things. But uh, I never thought we'd get to that Falkirk would get to this point. So, plenty to discuss. Um, and where I'd like to start is, despite being the partisan person, I am actually uh, the most dedicated Falkirk fan and the person that was last to attend a live Falkirk match. Is that not correct? You probably were. I mean, I've been in London for two and a half years. Yeah, I don't see that strictly as an excuse. I actually went to uh, Kirkcaldy one fateful evening last, was it been February? March? February? Feb- February, I think. February, and watched them play a 1-1 draw with Wraith Rovers. Now, casting my mind back to the game, I actually, you know, they came away with a 1-1 draw against Wraith. Right now, I thought for swathes of that game, Wraith looked better. For swathes of that game, Falkirk looked better. But nonetheless, if we compare the two sides this season, obviously the season was truncated last season. Um, Wraith have gone on to well, currently they're going into the the semi final of the uh, Premiership playoffs. Yeah, yep. Had an absolutely fantastic season, um, and Falkirk were. Only, I think, a point behind at that point, with many of the fans convinced that they were going to be overhauled. And at that time, under Miller and McCracken. So, let's play out some hypothetical events. Two questions for you. If they'd seen out that season, would they find themselves in the championship now? And do we think Miller and McCracken at that time was a good appointment? Wait, take that one, Andrew. Uh, right. <laughs> In terms of the season, I think we might have had slightly different players if we went up. So I think it could have been a different story. But if we're going to stick with the team that we have right now, I think we would have been there or thereabouts of going down or in the playoffs to go down. And I think Miller McCracken, once he got put in, didn't seem like the worst idea in the world. I mean, go to the development games watching Lee Miller at the side, I he didn't really do much with them, but again, you can't really judge him off of that. And then the dual managers, two players that we liked as players when they were in, whether you liked them or not, but I think most people did. They came across quite well. And I think it was one of those, it's more like, I don't want to say a publicity stunt, but it kept most people happy because it was two names that they knew and they'd already established themselves in some way. I would tend to agree. I mean, if, if you take it back to that sort of season, the truncated season, I don't think we would have overhauled um, Wraith. I think just the way that season was kind of going to go with Miller and McCracken in charge, you know, if, if you take on the current trajectory, that could well have played out. I do, however, think we would have finished second, probably fairly comfortably, and I would have fancied our chances as well in the playoffs. Um, I cannot, for the life of me, remember who finished ninth roughly that season uh, in the Championship. I have a funny feeling it was Queen of the South. We parted being relegated um, out of the two. Now, granted, watching Stephen Dobie score another hat-trick against Falkirk wouldn't have been ideal, <laughs> uh, which would have happened. You know, it, It's inevitable. I mean, he paid for our season tickets one season. I remember that game. Yep. Um, the season we got relegated. Um, so, you know, that was a potential. But, you know, there was the chance. And I think that was the kind of thing. Um, I also give you a kind of comments regarding some, the, the appointment of Miller and McCracken. They were two familiar faces to Falkirk fans. Um, they had a lot of goodwill going into the job. We all, we all knew they were rookie managers. You know, Lee Miller had done a bit of kind of youth coaching. I think McCracken had been a first team coach. I think up in Peterhead or Montrose. So he had been kind of. They were starting their careers in that kind of area. So you kind of give them the kind of benefit of the doubt for a while. It became very apparent very quickly, however, they just weren't up to the task. Um, quite whether it's because the position focus in, it's a big club with a lot of pressure you know, you're expected to win the league, I don't know if they were cut out for that, you know, maybe if they move into the League 2 pick up a kind of mid-table team there and then they start their, their managerial careers down there, that's fine 
it was just a bad time to join Falkirk. Um, you know, that, that's a struggle for them. The writing was on the wall, certainly through the kind of Christmas time this season. They probably should have been let go before, I think it was, I think I see his article around about kind of December time, late December. They, they were a kind of poor kind of run of results, a couple of draws and defeats. And the performances were absolutely insipid. Really, really poor. Uh, yeah. I think at that point you were going, ah, this, this has to stop and, and something else has to come in at that point. I did read the word insipid in your article. I wondered whether whether that would come up again. Um, so credit to your uh, high school English teacher there. Um, I think it's interesting in terms of what I was thinking about this, you know, how much of a stamp do you think they were able to actually get on that side? Because I know that in the summer there was big transitions in terms of the structure of the club. Gary Holt um, came in as the sort of director of football kind of around about that, that time. He he came in about halfway through the season. Yeah, he was, he was later on. Miller and McCracken had, had free reign really during the summer. There was their decisions, the, the signings that were made. Um, so they, they have no excuses. Well, presumably with great input of the director of football as well. But he wasn't there at the time. He wasn't there at the time. Okay, so we can't quite blame him yet. Okay. He came in during lockdown. Yep. See, Which was bizarre. But... For me, I, I kind of found it bizarre to bring back a director of football. But if you are going to have a director of football, I think that works well under younger management who perhaps are needing a bit of guidance, who are perhaps needing a bit of advice in terms of who to sign and things like that. Because certainly, I think the quality of the squad last season was much better than the quality of the squad this season. And I don't think uh, many of the signings panned out at all. I mean, uh, Declan McManus, for example, went out and they did replace him with Cal Morrison, which was, you know, like for like. Uh, But beyond that, Kind of very, very. Light I mean, and mostly they've replaced them with Aiden Keener. Because yeah, I think Morrison Ke- was more signed to the winger. Yeah, Keener and Dowds came in as the kind of striking options. You're right, though, as a kind of marquee player, uh, the what McManus was, you'd be looking at Callum Morrison and Blair Olsen as well. Um, you know, that's the kind of comparison as kind of your kind of star player. Um, that star has fallen dramatically. But the. That was the kind of that was almost the kind of like for like in terms of their influence in the team, and it's just obviously not panned out. Um, the the squad has regressed massively. Okay. Um, well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll we'll pick up on some players as we go. Um, so first of all, I think the the only positives we can draw from this season are possibly some of the the cup performances now. I was quite excited because I was just reading the stats as we came into this thinking, wow, Falkirk beat Kilmarnock 3-0. I don't really remember that happening. But, uh, John, you pointed out to me as to why they might have beaten them 3-0. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was the, I think Kilmarnock in particular, and St Mirren had really sort of COVID central. Um, so they, they had their games kind of um, avoided 3-0 wins. I think it was for Falkirk and Dunfermline. Right. If memory serves, both got default 3 0 wins against Kilmarnock. So it looks better than it was. In fact, it was probably our best result of the season. <laughs> so, yeah, I was about to say, it kind of tarnishes things because they went through as pretty much the lowest side uh, to qualify out of the Betfred uh, group stages. They, you know, I think they still solidly beat Dumbarton um, in those group stages, a feat which I don't think they managed for the rest of the season. Um, 2 0 loss to Dunfermline, but I think they lost like a couple of second half goals because that was on telly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Alba or Prem- Premier, Premier Sports. Sports. Yeah. Um, and then beat by Rangers. Was it Rangers? Yes. Yeah, Rangers at home. Uh, when it resumed, that didn't go that well. Um, nor did the Scottish <laughs> Cup game against Celtic. But I don't think you can really take too much from that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think. Well, the Falkirk Rangers one. I wasn't. You know, we did get beat four 0 but I wasn't angry for the fact that we never just sat in because they actually came out and tried to play against them. And there was a few chances where we could have got a goal or two. Not saying we could have won it, definitely not. But you could just tell Rangers were just head and shoulders because they were full of confidence. And especially against Falkirk, you don't exactly come into fearful yeah. of Connor Salmon. I mean, I would actually say two of our better performances this season half came against Rangers and Celtic, which is a really bizarre thing to happen. Um, if you take the Rangers game, yeah, it was a 4 0 win for Rangers. No, no worries at all. And they, they were hardly kind of threatened. 
but we had a bit of kind of spirit about us. Um, you know, there was a bit of kind of fight. There was a, a kind of semi attempt to get kind of forward. Um, likewise at Parkhead, it was obvious we were going to like just effectively park the bus, and it was up to Celtic to try and break us down. And they did on numerous occasions. They could have won in double digits, but they didn't. And you did again get the same kind of feel that there was a bit of kind of camaraderie um, kind of coming into the team. And that should have been something we could have built on. It clearly never happened. Um, but it, it was bizarre. I mean, obviously all players raise their games against better opposition. And it, you kind of wonder if the, the kind of squad only really we could only be bothered with the big games. Um, and, and that kind of thing and the rest it was it was almost a, they went into sort of League One games as a formality they should be in that kind of they should be playing at this level that kind of thing is a terrible attitude to have I think it's interesting that you bring up the mentality thing because you know there were the period at the start of the season when they were chasing Cove down the results were being churned out during that period and they did get to a point where they were what eight points ahead of everyone else at one point, eight, nine yeah. points ahead. And that's when things took a major turn. Yep. And, you know, the pressure was maybe starting to tell. And you know, one thing I've been chatting about is that Falkirk now very much feels like it's got a bad smell about the place in terms of well not literally. I don't I can't speak for that. But um in terms of just success and winning and after a while you know, once you lose that, it's kind of hard to get that mentality back. And I think one of the problems I was thinking of in terms of the squad is there are not many players in that squad that have been promoted, you know, in recent history. There's not many people who have actually been through there, through the battles and things. Um, And obviously that comes from a number of places. That comes from the management, that comes from the board. Um, And I think that's something that's really, really difficult to regain as a football club. What would you, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think especially with a bunch of players you had, like you are right in terms of like how many of them have actually been promoted. Because Connor Salmon at some point might have, maybe, don't really think so. Cal Morrison's never really fully played first team. Um, Charlie Telfer, Aidan Connolly, both injured for the majority, and I think they, well, Charlie Telfer especially made a huge difference in terms of like our growth game, the four for one straight after so that was when we were still kind of climbing but I think as soon as we lost him that was our season done because he was the only midfielder that you'd see that would bring the ball out because you had Gomez and Alston who'd just stay next to each other or sometimes Alston would go but it was very rare whereas Telfer would try and play it out keep the ball and then he'd drive us up but we just as soon as he went out injured I think that was us done I mean I would agree with you if Charlie Telford had stayed fit and Paul Dixon had stayed fit as well, the two of them, then I don't think we would have had the kind of the bottle crash as badly as it did. Um, you've got to kind of consider that Falkirk, whether we're getting the results, no problem. Right? The performances were dreadful. Partick it was kind of hand in hand. Their, their results were dreadful and their performances because their squad was depleted. They came in after the kind of COVID break had done some fantastic kind of recruiting. A couple of really good players came in. Uh, Tidzer and I think um, Joe Carlo as well I think came in on loan. So two really experienced players and that propelled their, themselves up the league. So I think they would have caught us regardless. I think they had at least one game against us, maybe two. So there's a six-point swing. Falker coming back out if it weren't that great. Losing Charlie Telford, losing Paul Dixon as well was just, that was the absolute calamity waiting to happen. Um, that, that caused a lot of problems. Um but I think with Dixon, like he did get, he does get a lot of stick, and don't get me wrong, he does make mistakes. But he's not a left back anymore. That's that's the problem. He's he's not going to like it. <laughs> I mean, he he reminds me slightly of Newhead, just for like his mentality. Like he can put a cross in. Don't get me wrong, he can get it wildly wrong. It's either it's a good cross or it's just horrendous. Or if he gets the ball left back and there's not a pass on, he'll just do the classic curl it up the wing and then see if anyone runs for it. Aye, that, that's been the Falkirk tactical season as well. It's just lump it long. Yep. Very little going, going through the midfield of that because you, know, you could argue there's no midfield to be had. Uh, you're, you're kind of hoping for Connor Salmon, who 
despite every kind of co-coms that's been on Falkirk TV saying, oh, he's a big lad, he should be able to jump and head that. <laughs> no, he can't. He can't. He's never done that in his career. He wants it two feet, he has to be an inch-perfect pass, and then he'll take it for there. If it's anything beyond that, he hasn't got a hope. I think he uh, he got four goals total this season. Isn't that shocking? Like, for your main striker. I, mean, I don't like to say it, but Towards the end of the season, he looked better, but I don't know if that was because everyone looked worse. I, it's probably that. I think he was kind of his, his performances were consistently poor. Um, I think he, the really kind of interesting thing for the season as well is I kind of mentioned Carl Morrison a few times. As it became quite apparent he was going to be the star man and the only man for Falkirk to produce anything. Yep. And you see it through the season. You all you had to do is put two or three men on Morrison completely restrict him with space and movement and that completely nullified Falkirk there was yeah. absolutely nothing going through that ruined us because there was nothing on the other side um, you do kind of wonder if, if Connolly had been fit and having one of them on either side again maybe could have been different um, maybe there could have been better confidence we would have had more pace in the team as well that never happened and again the club never recruited to kind of cover that position I mean bringing in a 17 year old two 17 year olds that wasn't going to cut it. That, that was just the wrong thing to do. At the start, Carrie Fotheringham looked quite good, but I think as we went on, I think it was after the Celtic game once we played them like the mm-hmm. centre mid-ish. That's where it's well. That I think that's where tactically Falkirk sort of fell through and just ran out of ideas, and we just yeah. went for the four-four-two or the four-two-four. Because if we're chasing a game, the two wingers just got pushed up, but they never got a chance because it was still getting punted long. We could win headers, and no one could knock it down for them. No, I mean, if, if, again, we'll talk about Kai Fotheringham. The He never had a, a set position in the team either for his entire loan spell. He was either at wing-back, away to Cove, which was just absolutely dreadful. I mean, that is one of the worst tactical <laughs> blunders of, of all time. But two of your most effective attacking players. Oh, we're just playing them at wing-back. Brilliant. I never did thought we, of that before. Did we not beat them, like, like three weeks prior and we decided to change to the three at the back in which we got hammered with? I mean, that's, that was just... Typical, like, Miller McCracken, I don't know why, but anytime it came to a slightly big game, it was defensive. And rather than play to our strengths, we tried to nullify theirs. And it just, it just didn't fly. I mean, like I say, I mean, playing the two, I play a 17-year-old who is not a wing-back and he's 17 years on this planet. And we'll go, oh, I will just put him in one of the biggest games of the season. I will play him at left wing-back or right wing-back. And then yeah. that obviously didn't happen. So we'll play him further up the field. We'll play him as a winger. Wasn't really working out. Then they tried to play him as a number 10, didn't really work out. Then we'll put him on the other side, still didn't work out. And then uh, the poor guy never had a chance. I mean, yeah. he, he, but he's delighted to be back up in Dundee. <laughs> truly buzzing. About it. And, and Nelson as well. Yeah, Nelson, I should say. Uh, he's probably one of the only kind of players you thought, this guy's maybe got a future. Um, thankfully, he's not staying at Falkirk because um, that's just going to be detrimental to him. Yeah. Um, he, he looks a prospect, actually. And I think Dundee United fans should be quite kind of so enthusiastic about his progress over the next couple of years. Who, Nielsen or Fotheringham? Uh, Nielsen in particular. Um, I'm not too sure yeah. about Fotheringham. I, I think either or it could swing either way. But yeah. they did they did all right. They did what they could. I think that's the best way you can put it. I, they, they were coming into a losing battle. It should be yeah. two or three experienced players, not two or three young guys coming in. It does uh, settle in the past. has been a breeding ground for perhaps making players look worse than they are. Um, you know, again, Falkirk players litter the championships. They're not like star players in any team. Uh, there's a lot of them at the playoffs. You know, a lot of the Dunfermline players. I saw Regan Tumulty that looked awful for uh, us. Is kind of up there. Um, Nikolai Todorov is the example I have. I've never seen a worse That's football. That's ridiculous. In my life. That is absolutely ridiculous. He's, uh, he's scoring goals for Inverness, Caledonia. That's all. Um, so yeah, in terms of Miller and McCracken, so basically this has all happened throughout the season. I think you guys have raised good points about the sort of tactics not being there, them trying to sort of play to what other teams were doing, despite the fact, you know, part-time teams, they, they shouldn't be as fit, therefore they should be the ones preparing for Falkirk. Um, but we do get to the the final split, which is a, I think is where things ultimately unravel. Yep. You're right, so... Do we think things would have gone as badly if Miller and McCracken were still at the he- at the helm? Yes. 
I think it would have been similar. I think it would have been similar. You, well, the only uh, out of their last four games, they managed to draw two each with Cove, and that was the only point they took against any of these teams. Uh, beating two 0 by Airdrie, beating five 0 by Partick Thistle, in what must be the worst display of the season, um, and then two uh, one Montrose Airdrie, which. Then in the early 2 now. But we, we, were, we were robbed of a goal in the Montrose game, but it's been and gone. But still at the same time, they still would have they still would have pipped us, I think. Yeah, they would have. So do you think the right move by the board to get Gary Holt in for the last four games? No. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't for it at the start. I wasn't for it at the start. Because I think they like everyone was like on Twitter, you could see everyone's like, "Oh, they just got manager of the month. Why are they letting them go?" But the thing is, for that time, for Gary Holt just to come in and try change, like it clearly didn't work. I wasn't a fan of it to start off with, and then you should have just stuck with the two guys that actually know the players. I'm not saying they were good managers, but maybe they could have got them up for it for maybe a second half or something because they built up a relationship. Whether they'd lost it, I don't know, but I think it was still a bit of a it was a punt. I'm not a big fan of Gary Holt, but I said from the start, you judge him on the first game. If it doesn't go well in the first game, then he's just, then that's it. We had to hit the ground running, but we didn't. No, nah, Miller McCracken had to go. I say it in this podcast. I was like, no, nah, they, they have to. The performances were getting worse and worse. And yes, we probably would have ended up in the same position. But what was the point in prolonging the pain? But... The, I, know, I, know your, I know your point about Gary, like Gary Holt, again, shouldn't be where he is in terms of running that squad and I do get the the impression that he was starting to get involved beforehand anyway with Miller and McCracken while they were still there so the trio were getting involved in tactics and setting up the teams and stuff I'm convinced yeah. um, so it was it was only natural that you know you, you can get rid of Miller and McCracken you know good feelings or bad feelings towards them that, that was the decision that had to be made for for Gary Holt to come in, yeah, I mean, fair enough, he's there to kind of cover four or five games. But by that point, you know, I think you've got to be reasonable and say that we were on a hiding in nothing. Even if we'd gone to the playoffs, we weren't going up. And so it's as well, you just letting the kind of wipe the slate clean. Let Gary Holt take over for a couple of games, get us to the end of the season, forget this sorry mess and start again and, and see what I assume he's now recruiting the new manager or head coach, yeah. whoever's going to come in. And, and see what happens next season. Personally, I, I think there was another point they could have gained out of all that because they were, I mean, that part of the game, whatever him was finished after that. Um, oh, the Graham and Rudden just lit it. Like, we were lost against them because they were so confident with each other. They were genuinely, I've never seen them so confident. But they were they were cresting a wave at that point. You couldn't have caught them at yeah. a worse time to be at home. Nah. Um, you know, if, uh, and that is why Montrose probably did so well against them in the last day of the season because they'll have been they'll have been boozing and partying. Um, well, they beat they beat they beat Morton as well in the playoffs. Yeah, so Montrose yeah. are actually on, really? on a roll. Yeah, um, so but it's still to play the leg at Montrose, but they beat yeah. uh, well, no sorry Morton, but Morton, they beat them two yeah. one. And here we were thinking the trips to Cappy Low would end. Happy days. <laughs> um, totally too thrilled, John. Um, yeah, so all that happens. Finish fifth. Well done to Montrose, fair play. I know that they were kind of on the banter train with it all as well, like apologising to Pine Bovril for taking their servers down and things like that. Um, some of the responses to some of the Falkirk FC tweets were quite funny. There was like John McGlynn looking absolutely buzzing. <laughs> and stuff like that, which is quite funny. Well, from a, a, a partisan point of view, I should perhaps state. Um, so yeah, can I, on that point, to the end of the season, uh, the board then come out with that statement, which was very pro Gary Holt. Um, you know, basically they were shocked, they were disappointed about the results, but you know, it was a, it was a losing job with all the injuries that they had and things and. Uh, they were very disappointed. So now the question is, where to go from here? In terms of what would you guys like to see? Uh, you know, we've had the Youth Academy start up. Uh, we might want to mention a few of the players that were released. Uh, perhaps some of the people that weren't released. And, uh, you know, management-wise, what's the direction to go? Player-wise, what's the direction to go? Is part-time perhaps an option? You know, Um 
What? Why do you think? John, we'll start where with you. <laughs> uh, where to begin? Well, I mean, that's, so on the back of the sorry but statement, um, it seems to have come out. That's just uh, if you take Gary Dean's uh, top of the tree there. Um, there is not a hope that he'll be removed from his position. Um, I'm kind of on the fence as to whether he should go. Um, he's done a, a reasonable amount to start getting the club in the kind of right direction longer term, bringing back the academy and um, bringing in these um, the Mr and Mrs Rollins um, so as kind of new investors. They are, the, are they the Stoke City people? They are the Stoke City people and Orlando City. Or he had, uh, I think he established Orlando City actually as a club. Um, very strange, but they they seem to know their way around football clubs. So we'll, if they start to take a more proactive approach in Falkirk, I'd be quite interested to see where we go with that. Um, similarly, I, I don't know how much kind of credit I would give him, but there has been under his tenure a dilution in the control of the major shareholders group, which can only be a good thing because I think they they're the villains to to everybody, to all Falkirk fans. I think. So it's kind of they they're close to the end, I think, and that we're kinda of getting to that stage. So if you think of him, fair enough, I think he won't go anywhere. His statement was it, it didn't quite strike the right tone. Gary Holt, as we've kind of seen in the statements and what's came out came out, he's staying, there's no doubt about it. He's heading up the recruitment as well, uh, for the new manager or head coach, depending on who we're going to get. Um word on the street that is going to be Stuart Taylor. And Peter Grant in his assistant. Um, I've heard that in the kind of forums, which is a bit of, a, bit of a strange Forgive one. Forgive me, who, who is Stuart Taylor? Steve. Stuart Taylor played for Falkirk in 2003, 02-03 season, last season at Brockville. Okay. Uh, goal scoring goal midfielder. He's had many, many years as a coach. I don't think he's ever been a manager, but he's been a head coach. So I, I get the distinct impression he's coming in to fill that vacancy as a head coach. He'll have Peter Grant. Next, Aloha manager who inconspicuously kind of resigned, coming in as his assistant. And I think Gary Holt, again, is going to have a, a hell of an influence on both the recruitment and the kind of wider structure of the playing squad. So I think those is the trio, is what we're probably going to see next season. Do you I've think read. he's going to go for someone that's similar, like the way that he played as a manager? I don't or... know. I, I don't know about uh, tactical, tactically wise. But I do think he's going to try and get someone in who, not necessarily a yes man, but a guy who's going to broadly agree, or he's going to take whatever Holt gives him. Basically, um, that sounds like a yes man. But um, I think that's the kind of path we're going to go down. Gary Holt's going to kind of lead the charge. He's going to he's going to basically say he's up, here's twenty players, pick fifteen of them. And how many do you think will get on loan from Norwich? A few. Um, <laughs> I think that, that can't I be think a bad thing. Go down that route. Livingston as well. Oh, There'll be some kind of no. offcasts that I'm sure we'll pick up out of there. Rafa Davita, Chodorov. <laughs> Rafa Davita got Player of the Month there at Edinburgh City. Aye. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that. Like, like when he played for Falkirk, he was useless. But is he not like a right back and then getting Player of the Month as a right back or is he right mid? I don't know. I'm not too sure, but I, I think you're on the right kind of track. Though. I mean, you're going to we're going to see Gary Holt's sort of extensive or. or you know, whatever kind of network he has. Peter Grant's the same. I think he's got a lot of connections with Celtic, mm-hmm. um, former player and stuff like that. Again, he's going to know a few players coming out of Aloha, uh, relegated out of contracts. Um, I think Liam Dick is being kind of talked about. Again, how can you hire a sort of recruit a player without having a manager in place? Yep. You know, so he's been discussed. Um, there is another Aloha player whose name's escaped me. Is it Hetherington? I think his name is. I've kind of seen that in the forums kicking about. So, again, it's all rumours and hearsay, so I don't know if this is true. But but do you think they'd go back to full time? Because this is the problem Falkirk. we've got. Yeah. Falkirk will be full time next season. No, no, I know. But in terms of like, if we're going to try and poach players from different teams, they they might be happy part time. They might not want to go full time. This is where the competition becomes a bit hazy. Especially so. Cove. Cove have got like much better players than us in every single position. Well, ninety percent of the positions. I think this is where Scottish football in particular has a really kind of weird grey area where there are very good part-time players who maybe could take the step up into full-time football to earn another 150 quid a week. But they make more money away from football. Yep. Um, McAllister at um, Peterhead is a great example. Mitch Megginson. Uh, Mitch Megginson, uh, the Matrones manager, who I would quite like to see 
as the Falkirk head coach. He's part-time and I think he makes quite a kind of good living. He's got a happy lifestyle as a part-time manager. Why would he want to move full-time into a basket case? Yeah. And I think Falkirk's in a really kind of awkward position where they're a, relatively speaking, a big club in a league that is full of kind of part-time players and you kind of need the part-time experience to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps a hybrid model. I think Airdrie's been running a hybrid model of kind of full-time and part-time players. I don't see a problem with that. Um, rec- recruitment's a bit of an issue. You're either going to have chuck- to chuck a significant amount of money at these people, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. <laughs> I'm not talking like a thousand pound a week. Um, but you're going to have to try and get these kind of guys coerced into either taking a step down a level to play full-time football or have part-time players who are earning a, a, a fair whack away from football to move into the full-time game which is a huge, huge risk, and I don't know why you would do that. See, I, I think it's a really interesting point, and it is a massive issue, because we are we are now losing a lot of players out of the professional leagues down to the juniors, down to the lowland leagues, down to the highland leagues. This is how Cove Rangers got their start, was by picking off, you know, like ex-Aberdeen players and, you know, things like that, um, paying for good money, and you see it as well with Kelty Hearts. Uh, all those players should easily be in League One, League Two, arguably the Championship in some cases as well. There was one during lockdown. Was it Darvel? Uh, yeah, I think they've been they've been on the terrace a few times, haven't they? Because they've got new, uh, like fancy changing rooms. Yes, it is Darvel. Because they've got that old Falkirk oh, midfielder. The boy uh, was um, the Kelly Pies. I forget I don't his know. name. He's a bit of a late... McShane. There you go. Ian McShane. Ian McShane's the player. Um, yeah. We'll let this side and go then the current chairman's John Gall. I'm sure he's the one who owns um, the kind of maker of the Killy Pies. Is it, um, I forget the name. Brownings or some. Uh... Brownings. Brownings the baker. That's the one. Thank you. I, was, I couldn't sleep. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we settled that. Uh, Sorry that for me, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I again, it's mental because uh, I think one of the recent transfers was like Nicky Lowe, who was playing with East Stirlingshire, East and now going to Arbroath. It's like, well, that's a huge leap. You've got up like four leagues, and you're plenty capable. And it's like, how have these guys slipped through the system um, in that way? Well, I think a, I think a few of them move for money. I mean, you take Kelty Hearts as a prime example of having. Two off the top of my head being Nathan Austin and Callum Higginbottom. Yeah. Both taking the kind of step down to part-time football. Now, granted, Austin struggled in full-time football when he was at Falkirk and Inverness. But he took such a dramatic step to go all the way back down to Kelty Hearts. And then, for a couple of months, came all the way back up to East Fife to play back in League One again and scored a few goals. And now he's sort of helping Kelty get into the kind of professional leagues again. Yeah. So, it's, it's money that's driving those kind of wee clubs to kind of push up uh, and again it's a part-time full-time mix I don't know but it's obviously not for Falk I mean that's not the model longer term but I don't imagine we would go I don't think we'd go hybrid because I think the response to that would be kind of like if we go hybrid then there's more of a chance that we just go part-time yeah you're kind of folding the club at that point I mean certainly even medium term it's, it's a bad idea except but if you need fate. a few if you need a <laughs> but the thing is if you need a few experienced players, League One players, to come in and do a job. Again, are you really going to turn your nose up at these guys just because they're not willing to sort of train four, five days a week? The thing is, it's not impossible because they did that. I've seen the feature on like Queen's Park this season, managed to convince quite a few of their part-time guys to go full-time. Uh, was it David Gall or something? Their defender. Um, part-time, convinced to go full-time, did tremendously. I think did take a pay cut. So it, it definitely can happen. Also, the irony next season of facing Paul Hartley and Raymond McKinnon, um, I find utterly hilarious. From uh, I am probably Morton as well. I mean, it's the absolute banter league next season. Like, that is. Houston's not still Morton manager, is he? No, no he was uh, Morton assistant. He never uh, went in as manager. But I think that was more me. just kind of like, you shouldn't have sacked him. Uh, <laughs> but we're not drilling that. Sure. See, the thing is, people's. I know in a lot of articles I've read recently still pinpoint the sacking of Houston as to where this all went downhill. But I think as soon as that happened, if you asked any Falkirk fan, they were okay with it. But the problem is, we never, like, the board never backed him enough as what he should have because he clearly proved, because he got us to a cup final, he got us into the playoff finals. Fair enough, he never got us over the line, but he was getting us to places we had no right to be. He made it up, Blair Alston yeah. look like a good player. 
I know we're yeah. kind of going over old ground. I mean, this, these things are in the past, and you, and you can go what ifs, you know. And I think that's holding the club back as well. Actually, to be fair, I mean, we're looking back and going, "Oh, we could have won the Scottish Cup. Oh, we could have won the playoffs. Oh, we could have done this and that." But it's, it's happened. You know, get over it. Um, What's going to be the slogan for this season, though? Because the slogan's always been absolutely perfect. Because our time was the time that we got relegated, and Nathan Austin time. was on the front of that. You had follow your leaders, which was Miller McCracken. <laughs> <laughs> they go very well. Trust us, honestly. But I think this season it might be special. So it might be COVID comeback. I don't know what they're going to go for. Oh, I don't know. It's, it doesn't be a thing about it. The marketing team have got one hell of a challenge this season to get even <laughs> a thousand season tickets. Well, no, I think this happens every season. Like, if it goes wrong at the end, we're just kind of like, oh, I'm not buying season tickets, blah, 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 blah. We get a couple of players in, we get the managers in, and then there's just a fresh buzz about it. And then... As soon as the first game's played, as soon as the first ball's kicked, if we get beat, everyone's just like, oh no, here we go again. But people buy the season tickets. They will. They always do. You'll have Danny Rogers on the phone, John, selling you your season ticket. How exciting will that be? Not a hope. <laughs> he could phone up. I remember that. Uh, Hello, dear. It's Connor Salmon, John. I've signed a new three-year deal. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody did that. There was a player phoning up sort of random season tickets and basically saying, who are you exactly? <laughs> Less than idea, less than. I think they're, they're signing strategy over the summer. I think the names you mentioned earlier on there, like you know Liam Dick, you know, some of the Aloha guys, established guys who have got heaps of appearances in for their team, and as a, it's a pretty safe bet. I think yeah, yeah, too yeah. often in recent seasons, Falkirk have kind of been starstruck going for kind of names sometimes, like the Salmon signing, just had disaster written all over it from the start that was the marketing team though because he was he was essential towards the burger sales well you know I'm Benny Teeves. there you go and uh, I was looking up like I was looking up Durden's stats um, oh, but the thing is right I think back and Durden at Dundee United was not a bad centre half oh you're hovering a giant I don't half. think it was a bad centre no, half no it wasn't it wasn't I don't think there it is, was that bad there is not a single season Mark Durden has had as a professional footballer that has been good he, right okay he's knocked up over 100 appearances for Dundee right so you don't do that but I did something wrong poor, however poor on. in the championship yes yes and obviously when they left the championship he was left poor. to you know go somewhere else it was him and um, what would be Edge and Gelly I think he's the two centre he worked out really well for Falkirk John so you can't criticise that <laughs> exactly yeah and, and he was brilliant. People wonder why Dundee United were in that championship for so long. Yeah, there's your two centre backs. Like, what did you expect? Well, but then to that point, you look at his record with Dunfermline, and it's awful. Like, he barely played. Awful. He lasted one season. And I'm sorry, but if anyone's lasting a season at a team, they are not worth signing. And if they are worth signing, it's a risk. Um, and I don't think Falkirk have made anyone look better than they are in recent seasons. They have not. It's not been a good incubator for any talent whatsoever. I, I think Declan McManus is probably the exception to the rule, though, because he did have a really good season in what was an awful squad. I think he would have done that yeah. anywhere, though. Probably, but he'd he done it at Falkirk. I mean, the, the principle remains that <laughs> not all dreams come to die in the Falkirk Stadium. Most <laughs> <Someone> do. <laughs> do better. Most do. <laughs> it's not the dream factory at all. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see... Uh, in terms of the new management, that kind of screams to me like the whole Stephen Glass shenanigans that's going on at Aberdeen. Former player doesn't really know what he's doing. Will end up being a disaster somewhere down there, but it might not. You never know. They've got to. They've got to make a right decision sometime, don't they? Yeah, well, eventually. Um, you just got to hope it's this season because it, it can't honestly be another season like this. It, it can't happen. But I think whoever they bring in, it has to be. It can't just be a plan for get them to for a season and get us out of that league and then we go somewhere else. It has to be, I think now especially, it has to be like a three-year thing. They'll sit down and say, we're going to do this, this and that. And there has to, because I don't think that's been there for Falkirk. Especially, like, fair enough, COVID and stuff like that, but there should have been, like, a vision. But I don't really feel that's been there with the players that we sign. I think vision and projects are two very dangerous words that lead to more extended periods of time like this yeah. we've had egg on our face for the last two or three seasons because we're lumbering about in League 1 while our boardroom are talking about Premiership football and breaking into the top 6 it's, <laughs> there, is such, there is such a disconnect between the two it's unbelievable and that's an issue That I think that it really doesn't help the situation I mean the fact that your boardroom are so far off the mark as to where we are right now 
And that that is their strategy is to get Falkirk into the Premiership. Forget who they really won. That that'll take care of itself. It's Falkirk for God's sake. We're, we're a big club. We'll get into the Championship. Don't worry about it. And then it's all about like the Premiership Express. You know, they've completely taken their eye off the ball as to the extremity that we're in just now. I think just be a football team because if you gave Montrose, if you gave Airdrie, um, you know the budget that the Falkirk has just now. They would, have, they would have run away with that league. Um, so, I just <laughs> focus on the one thing, because I don't think anyone in there knows anything about football, judged on the decisions uh, that have happened very, very recently. Now, the Youth Academy um, is back as well. Do you think that is exciting for the future? Uh, yeah, a little bit, actually. I mean, it's something to be positive about. And this is, weirdly enough, this is actually where I'll give Gary Holt a little bit of credit because he was able to identify Guy Fotheringham and Nielsen as two like prospects as such. So if that was his kind of recruitment or you know his sort of scouting to say these two are guys, seventeen-year-old good prospects, if he can do that across the academy, I think he'll win back a lot of kind of favour. And to be honest, I think that's where he should spend most of his time focusing on, and leave the first team to someone else completely and detach himself from it um, I'll be honest I think that was Miller that got them in you reckon I'm not too sure I, um, I can, I can, I'm pretty confident because they were part of the Fourth Valley Academy and when he was trying to do the youth stuff he'd be in and out like even going down to work with players like that so I think that could have been I, I feel like it would more of a Miller but it could be a whole I don't, we don't know no. I mean either way I mean these the, the club were able to identify you are you could be right. I mean, I know you've considered that, that Miller had such an influence in that academy and the two of them were in it. That if we can identify players like that, 16, 17 year old, and try and get them into our academy, then happy days. That's, that's what we want. So it's initially yeah. going to be a very hard sell uh, to join a League One uh, team's football academy. But, you know, if you offer these guys some maybe more game time and things like that, because the opportunities should be there, yeah. you, know, you never know. I think if we had the academy this, like if we kept the academy this season, mm. I this is a very big if. I feel like there would have been more opportunity for more competition and depth. And don't get me wrong, you're maybe pulling a player up for like one or two games, but again, once you come in for your first game, you're going to be really nervous. So you're going to hit the ground running. It just depends. Well, I mean, Stephen Kingsley's very first appearance for Falkirk was a red card within thirty seconds. Who <laughs> <laughs> the boy is still in Albion? Whatever happened? Hopefully for Hearts. <laughs> Whatever happened? Uh, was it Tony Gallagher? Gallagher. Tony Gallagher. He's, is he not still Liverpool? Is he? He's at Liverpool. Uh, to... I think he's in loan somewhere in League One or League Two. Yeah, because at one point he was like twenty-five, playing in the under 19s or something like that. He's had a few first-team appearances for Liverpool in the League Cup. He's only twenty-one. Well, I don't think he'll actually become a Liverpool player by any stretch. But he's on loan at Toronto. He was on loan at Toronto FC. Nine appearances, not bad for I, some. I think that was just the biggest. Just it was just bonkers. Like in terms of like the Tony Gallagher rumours that were coming out, he was barely playing for the first team. He played like one game, and then these bar, like the Barcelona and stuff like that. And you're just sitting there like this is nonsense, and he plays three or four games for Falkirk, and. He was he was absolutely rotten. He was absolutely horrendous. But the fact that he still went to Liverpool was just a shock. But again, it is just youth academy. But it's still more of a surprise, and that got us a decent amount of money. It was the rep- it was the reputation of the academy that, that got him the move as much as, as himself. I mean, we watched him get absolutely bullied at Morton. Uh, the way he done filming as well, and it wasn't great. Can I just say though that game against Morton was like the best game I saw Falkirk play in ages because Alex Smith just basically lined them up absolutely perfectly and sadly he only took on the job for a short time and I think he is also sadly missed uh, as well and you know whatever he's doing kangaroo hunting, hunting or something out in Australia um, yeah well, well, <laughs> he never he never lost a game did he he never lost a game no, he took over an impeccable no. record yeah, you might as well stick with that because but then those, who came in now. Those yeah. are the characters you need. People who have won things. People who are respected footballers. Like, and I know that I, I'm sure I saw a picture of uh, an international lineup, and Gary Holt was in it, and I was like, really? He used to be an international footballer. Um, 
Nah, he, he played for Scotland a couple of times. He's won the Scottish Cup. He won mm-hmm. a week yeah. off against Falkirk. Still kind of arcs. I think that doesn't help his reputation as well, to be honest. Um, there's always that kind of ill feeling towards anything called Monarch. Um, oh, they could be coming down, so fingers crossed, eh? Nah, they'll, they'll be staying up. I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't be so sure. Anyway, do we fancy a wee st- statistical Falkirk quiz? Uh, let's go for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, go on. Let's then. cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so uh, I have six questions. Uh, you will each receive three, and you have to name me the player that matches the statistic. Uh, I have not lined these up in any particular order. These, I think, are vaguely correct. The statistical websites had a massive mare with the split at the end of the season. So some people were quoting 18 games, some people were quoting 22. So if there are any uh, misinformations here, then so be it. Um, and <laughs> I think well, I know. I think this is only domestic uh, competitions as well, but they only played, like, what, five games in cups anyway, so, you know, woohoo. Right, who wants to start first? That one then. Oh, oh, Andrew. There oh, you go. No, we'll see. I'll pick no, we'll, start, we'll start with uh, Andrew, because this is a slightly easier one, and we always like to put John at the disadvantage. Um, which player had the most minutes played at the side this season? Um, I'm between Robbie Much and Kel Morrison. Good for you. Oh, I'll go. I'll go Much. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it was in fact though Callum Morrison. Callum Morrison. Yeah. Eighteen hundred and thirty-five minutes. Uh, I thought it was depressing that a twenty-one-year-old was <laughs> just the complete focus of this team. Uh, do you want to guess who the second most player was, John? It probably would have been Robbie Much. I think no, it player Alston. Robbie Much got sent off. And PG Morrison would have been in for a bit of the season as well. Yeah, Come I forgot about him. So, uh, yeah, player Alston was setting. Right, John, to you. Uh, who was the player subbed off most this season? Who was the player that was subbed off most this season? Who that came off the most? Ten times he was subbed off. 22 games, that's quite a lot. <laughs> Sucks to be there, eh? Um, I'll go stamina. Robbie Leach. Oh, how does he do it? How does he do it? <laughs> Ding there. Robbie Leach was subbed off 10 times. Yeah. Wow, well done. He's rubbish. I'd- He's rubbish. <laughs> He's rotten. <laughs> Well, he must have got a few starts if he was subbed off so no, often. He, he did. He, he was either an impact sub or he was on. Again, he was another one with no position. He either played behind the striker, played him centre mid, played him out wide, but I mean, there was nothing anywhere. I never, I can't name the time that I thought he played well, but. Oh well. Uh, back to you then, Andrew. Who would be the most likely person to come on for him? Who was the sub- most subbed on player for Falkirk this season? And it's not Robbie Leach. Well, I mean, he can't be subbed off and subbed on, Andrew. So, you know, I'm not giving you clues here, but, you know. Right. Um, most subbed on? 13 times this player was subbed on. Okay. Um, I'm totally not keeping track of scores. Hold on. John, John got one. Subbed on? This is, this is tough. This is a tough one. Uh, oh, it's not Scott Mercer. Has to be a midfielder above. Subbed on. <laughs> yes, it's literally the question. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Cora Salmon. John, would you like to try and steal? Uh, I'm gonna say Anton Dowd. Oh. Incorrect. Kino. Akil Francis. Oh, God, he's rotten. He's, he's the, the worst. worst. There was nothing. No, I don't like him. He was quite fast, wasn't he? Aye, very good. He could run in a straight line, so could Den and Lewis, and he was useless. They went down south, and he was just like, oh, let's go on Love Island. Akil Francis next. Right, next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm the quizmaster here, shall I? 
Uh, Jonathan, I think this is a fairly slam dunk one. Who received uh, the most bookings this season? And I need a fully, easy. I need a fully correct answer. Uh, Morgano Gomez. Not a fully correct answer, Andrew. Would you like to steal? You're going to say Margona, Margaro Gomez and uh, Dunnan. Yes, it's yeah. correct. Both players, Andrew. You get the point there. Or shall I give you two points because you named the two players? I'll yeah. accept the two points. And another point I'd like to make is Margaro Gomez <laughs> got sent off for diving in the centre circle. So it was a it was second great. yellow, and he got he dived in the middle of the park. There was no we weren't going to get a great free kick out, but he dived. He got sent off. I think the keeper was also sent off at one point as well, as you said, so... Yep. Uh, there wasn't as many interesting stats. I'm sure in our quiz a few years ago, Aaron Muirhead just had the most hilarious statistics known to man <laughs> in terms of, like, well, you know, bookings most... and sending offs and things. Yep. Uh, but the nature of the truncated seasons means it's not exciting. Uh, right, who was the player with the second least minutes of action that actually featured? So, who was the player with the second least minutes that actually featured? So, second like least. 87 minutes of play. 87, right. So, we are going to have to look down the route of Aidan Lafferty or Aidan Connolly. Uh, I'm going to say Aidan Lafferty. John, would you like to steal? Me, Miller. Correct. Oh, correct. We are balanced up. At, uh, two points each. Okay. Uh, it was Lee, Lee Miller, 87 minutes. Right. Uh, question six then, John, to unfortunately steal and win the game. Uh, this player was named on the bench a record 17 times this season without playing a domestic minute, according to the statistical website. Can't believe the bloody sub goalkeeper. What's his name? Or maybe not. Uh, or maybe not, not. Cantley. No, Cantley came in as a bone, did he not? Uh, I'm going to steal your answer. Maybe Aidan Laverty. Aidan Laverty is the correct answer. John wins the 2021 Falcon FC Miserable Statistical <laughs> Quiz 3 2. <laughs> yes. Now, Andrew, you've clearly put all your cash to waste watching all these games. Fuck. Um, oh. Missing out on Aidan Laverty uh, zero minutes. I think he went on loan to Brecon and didn't really play there, came back. He has now been one of the players that's been released. Uh, Gomez, uh, four bookings. He is leaving as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's released. Yeah, he's I would gone. be surprised if he even continued to play football, to be honest. Oh, well, you'll be pleased to know, John, that... Uh, who was it I was telling you was playing for Brecon City the other day? Was it Abdul, uh, Abdul, Abdul Osman. Osman. So he's still available. Uh, can't even get a game for Brecon City, which is a, a problem. Um, he's got his own clothing brand. Represent. He's going to make sure it. The, I'm sure the Brecon market uh, is ecstatic <laughs> for that. Um, but yeah, my, uh, my tiebreaker was going to be who has been the top scorer for Falkirk in the modern time. So in the last like... 10, 15 years. Ooh. I'm trying to think he was the longest serving. So it would either be Sibbald or John Baird? Nope. Nah. Nah. It'll either be Farid or Lyle Taylor. I'm going to say Lyle Taylor. I believe it to be Blair Alston, apparently. Ah, we. What? I don't know how far back the records go. I actually don't. I didn't see Farid's name because I was trying to find where these guys would rank up in terms of top scorers. But the statistics for Falkirk on like all websites are currently awful because people seem to have given up <laughs> after 2018-19 <laughs> when they were relegated at the championship. So the Wikipedia article hasn't been updated for like two or three years. Um, maybe they're delusional. I don't know. Or they're just waiting to go back into the championship. Uh, but Blair Austin was at the top of those lists with like 40-something goals or something. 39. Yeah, that 39. makes more sense. I don't think anyone would have more than that, to be honest. Because you've got Craig Sullivan, 38. John Baird, 37. Number four, the finest striker, who was the laziest man. I'd rip for about 60 minutes and he'd always score. Would he like? Good lad. Yeah. He did. Uh, he was in Sports Sound for the Partick game. Um, 
Was he? Yeah. Oh, that would have been, yeah. Yeah. This is quite embarrassing, to be honest, if you just look at the list. <laughs> Michael Higdon, 14. Miles Hippolyte, 15. Connor Salmon, Connor Salmon is number 18 with 14 goals. Jesus Christ. So he's been there for so long now. <laughs> You've got the left back, Luke Lee, 12 goals. Every single one of them was a screamer, though. <laughs> they were, they were. Mark Miller got 21 from centre mid. Anthony oh, Stokes with f- 14. They're just depressing me, man. Like, this is... Will Volks with 14 as well. He's rumoured oh, to go on, to Newcastle. I hope he does. I'll be crying. I know. And uh, <laughs> the most recent ones that have popped up, <laughs> Swansea signed Falkirk Starlet Blair. Ryan Blair and Swansea signed Botty Viavi. Both of us They both now play Stenny. What could have been? But, aye, the glory days. McManus with 23. Number eight, Carl Finnegan as well. But we'll not dwell on the past. We'll look at the future with Blair Alston being up the top. There you go. Um, who who didn't really uh, reach those glorious heights? So I think we can all agree if there was a season for fans not to be there, uh, this was probably the one. Yep. <laughs> um, and with any luck, you know, hopefully fans will be back in the stadium after the summer um, and from there on out. Events seem to be happening now. So, you know, there's some of the music festivals and things like that. So every chance. Falkirk Stadium also has plenty of seats to place the... What's like the bare minimum that Falkirk usually like always get? Like, mm, like 1,500? 2, well, no. The, 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 I'm not talking about the quoted attendance because the quoted attendance is always total nonsense. <laughs> um, assuming that all... Well, you know, I, I used to be there and be shocked at the 3,500 people that were there and had like a tenth filled 7,000-seater stadium. Um, Scottish version of Leeds and 80 does, like... Millions and millions of fans, Falkirk have. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. I think yeah, people will still walk through the doors. Um, uh, my bold prediction for next season is they will finish in the playoff places. I don't know if they'll win the league. Um, but without Partick, you know, that's the main competition gone. But they have struggled against Cove this season. They could get stronger again. Who knows? You, you can't comment until you see who the manager in the squad is, to be honest. That's, you're, you're just trading on a name. Well, yeah. everyone will have to tune in for our uh, preview show at the start of next season. Buzzing. Uh, for that information, we've always been wildly wrong. Uh, with those predictions and we look forward to seeing Greyduck Morton back at the Falkirk Stadium and Queen's Park Raymond McKinnon and his uh, uh, you know best of greatest hits of a football squad um, but yeah here's hoping fans are back in uh, stadiums and here's hoping that uh, Falkirk fans get some reward for the pain uh, that they have suffered for the last 10, 11, 12, 13. That's plenty. 14 <laughs> years. Exactly. Some successes needed. Even even a cup win, like a challenge cup or something like that. Uh, just to get them kicking on and get them going. Um, is there anything else we've not added this week? Is there anything that we've kind of not gone over review-wise? Any, any message you might have for the board of directors? Any messages you might have for the fans, for the players? Keep it up. You're doing a great job. Stay positive, guys. There's no losers in this game. Hey, <laughs> everyone gets a medal. There you go. Well, there is that exciting opportunity of a question and answer session coming up. Um, oh, over Zoom. Uh, mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a. What was it? Like the Farns Fourth Council meeting or something like that? Or what was it? You know, the Jackie Weaver stuff where like, you have no authority. Oh, or... the. Was that not like churches or all the councils? Was it? It was councils. Yeah, I, think, I think it was like the Handforth um, County Council yeah. Environmental Meeting or something. But we look forward to that anyway. I suppose um, it'll be a big thank you to everybody uh, listening from myself, Paul. All the best guys from John. Dreams can come true. <laughs> 
I was going to say, I kind of don't want to speak after that. I kind of want that to be the last word. (laughs) The last uh, five minutes of this episode will just be Andrew saying that on a loop um, (laughs) to get you through the summer months. Um, And we'll be back in the next few weeks. Cage Match uh, will be back as a feature. Uh, We'll be discussing the goings-on in the rest of the playoffs, the run-in of the Premiership season and the Scottish Cup games as well so be sure to subscribe on youtube spotify itunes all places where you would usually get your podcasts and it is a good evening a good afternoon and a good morning from me goodbye